because I'm feeding him right and I'm exercising him right and I'm keeping him stimulated and I'm giving him a good place to be and our connection strong. And he looks at me with this, let's do things. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, because of that, I've got a good holistic way of, of seeing training, a good balanced way of understanding it, being clear, being concise and understanding where what he's thinking before he acts on it. That's what I want to be teaching my clients. And everyone that's listening, you know, whether you're a dog trainer, whether you're, um, just got a, a new dog or you've had dogs your whole life, but you never thought about this stuff, start implementing this. Um, it doesn't take much time out of your day. I bet you you're watching more than an hour of TV a day. Um, and if you're not, well, then good on you. That's awesome. But, um, but some of the time that we kind of waste lazing about, you can get energy back in your day by interacting with your dog, walk them, train them, understand them, do a bit of reading, you know, get out there and ask different opinions and, yeah. Um, you know, attend workshops and, hey, ask us a question, you know. If you're listening to the podcast, that's a great first step anyway. You know, you're actually, you're doing probably more than 90% of dog owners are already in that and taking the time to educate yourself a little bit more as well. So, yeah. why stop there? You know, maybe read a book or uh, go, you know, employ a trainer or that's go right. to a seminar. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's a it's a good first step. Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts, and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live, and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host, Panos Anagnostu. And I'm your co-host, Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Let's do it. So, three, two, well... Episode five, we're back again. Here we are, man. How exciting. Yeah. We've been getting some really good feedback lately, eh? Yeah, we've had a few inquiries, some uh, some good reviews. So, please keep them coming, yeah. particularly if you're um, listening to us on an iPhone. Um, it'd be great if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes really there. helps us out. Um, or even just click the star rating. That, yeah. that, that helps us out a lot. And hopefully soon, we're going to be getting out. Uh, hopefully, by the time people are hearing this- our YouTube channel's got all our videos up there as well. Yeah, yeah, so we're working on getting that up as well. That. So if you're at home and you'd rather um, look at our ugly mugs than yeah. just listen to us, you can uh, check awesome. us out on YouTube as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So today's topic, we're going to talk about what does it mean to train your dog? What does dog training mean? What's the, yep. what does it encompass? Is it just what people think about practicing sit, sit stays, down stays? Is it about, um, you know, so what is, what does it encompass? And, um, and now that you've come to a few of our sessions and you see see me in action, mm. it gives you a good better perspective of, of what's happening. And um, and and yeah, so yeah. Well, I was saying just just off mic before. Um, I guess when I originally you hear the word dog trainer, um, I guess the naive assumption is that it might be like when you get a PT, you know, a personal trainer. It's like this guy's going to just fix all my problems. Like he's just a magician. He's going to come in and just wave a wand and and fix everything. But really, that's you know the the hour or the two hours that you spend with that um, dog trainer or whoever, it's like 1%. It's a yep. drop in the ocean, you know? Mm-hmm. So, what are you doing for the other 23 hours in the day yep. with your dog or with yourself to to maintain that that level of training? Exactly. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and we said in, um, in episode one, like someone had approached me and said, you should be a dog trainer. I think it was more of like a passing comment. Mm. And I never even knew what that was, even though I only had a dog for a very short amount of time, but like a dog trainer in my mind meant nothing. And then most older people think a dog trainer means I work with greyhounds. Um, so it is more of a, <laughs> yeah, a, like a racing trainer, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, and I think that's what it was traditionally. It's like mm. you were teaching a dog to do something like a specific job where now the, the industry's changed, you know, because really it's only what 
like mainstream dog training is probably what 10 to 20 years now? i'd say 20 years 20 yeah. years yeah even those trainers there was trainers like that were doing what i do 50 years ago there, yeah. there was those people but, but not so widespread yeah the way we see dogs now and how they affect our community and how you know we've become a little bit more um aware and compassionate as a society especially to our own animals and the dog doesn't just hang out in the yard and we chuck them food every day and that's just it mm. or they're not just there to have presence and to stay keep people off the property even though there's there's those elements that still um is why we have dogs but um but yeah why People want to do the right thing for their animal. They yep. want to make sure that the neighbors aren't annoyed that the dog's barking and the dog's not chasing the kids down the street and attacking other dogs. And, and people want to have the dog so the dog can complement their lives, not Rather to complicate, complicate. right? Yeah. Very important. So, um, so the, some of the main themes of, of working with a dog trainer is you want to be able to, of course, work on basic commands, um, make sure that we're working on up-to-date training techniques and methods and and staying in tune with what's sure. happening. And because just- even you said to me, like, your training techniques have changed over the years, right? For sure. Yeah, you know, everyone's learning continually, and that's the same for professionals in the industry. You know, and I hope that in another 10 years, I hope that what I'm doing now was still good and it was a foundation of what I know that in um, in that time, but hopefully I've gotten better and more, more efficient at it, which means that I'm growing. It means that I'm learning new things. I'm keeping up to date, going to seminars and networking, you know, looking at new videos, and also through experience – also, I'm, I'm knowing what's going to be working better. And sometimes clients give me some, like they go, oh, I heard about this and they, and they do a technique and I'm like, that's really cool. Mm. I haven't seen that before and I'm going to implement it. Yeah. Being so, open um, to new, new ideas. 100%. Yeah. So, um, so what does it mean? So first of all, of course, understanding, I think the first thing, um, that people that don't consider what a dog trainer does, but we have to start understanding is learning basic dog body language. It is like, if you want to know what your dog's thinking, you want to know where your dog's at, you've got to know what his body language is. He can't is tell you. You can't tell verbally. you. Right? He Not can verbally. Not verbally. He's telling you with his tail, his ears, his position. Exactly yeah. right. So, um, things, so the misconception is a dog's tail that's wagging is just a dog's tail that's wagging. Um, so if a dog's tail's wagging in a figure eight, so people on the video, you can see my hand moving in this action. That's like a more of a generally a happy dog, generally. When a dog's tail's up high and it's moving rigid from left to right, that is showing, we call that flagging. That flagging means the dog's in a high arousal, high state of drive, potentially aggressive, potentially alert that something's up ahead, but may not necessarily mean that he's happy-go-lucky. It may, it more means that he's alert and he's, and he's um, watching what's happening ahead. A dog can be attacking another dog and the tail can still be going crazy on both dogs, one that's being attacked and the one that's doing the attacking. Just because the hat tail's wagging, it doesn't mean they're happy. I'm um, looking at the ears. What are the eyes doing? What's body posturing? So understanding body language. And when I go into people's houses and I'm trying to show them that, um, their dog's being, the dog's stressed because he's, for example, doing the yawn. The, so we call things, um, things called displacement signals is when a dog does something outside of character. So if the dog hasn't just woken up or he's clearly tired and something's popped up, like let's say, for example, I've come to the person's home. The dog can be a little bit unsure of me, showing some stress. And the way that I know he's stressed is the way that he's acting with me. But sometimes a fake yawn, you know, or sometimes a constant lip licking or like mm. the nose licking, that mm. could also be another sign of stress. You know, so if you people aren't understanding where their dog's at, how do they know what to fix? You know, and most of the time we miss out on all these early warning signs of where your dog's at. Is it dog's potentially aggressive, stressed, nervous, fearful, um, happy if we don't know what's happening we only see the outcome we see the barking we see the biting we see the lunging we see the hiding under the table whereas they've been giving you these signals right up until that point with their body language exactly yeah so um so yeah so 
a good dog trainer will be te- teaching you um, what body language is about. Second of all, we show you good ways of teaching basic commands and coming into a good routine. So again, essentially giving your dog a job. As we talked about in episode two, about all dogs need a job. If we don't give them a job, they lack purpose and they find their own ways to fulfill themselves. So if we um, are only just feeding them and maybe giving them a walk once a weekend, like let's just say on a Sunday is the only time to give them a walk and you're expecting your dog to behave themselves when they're not having a good outlet, well then what, what's actually you're going dreaming. on there, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're probably not going to get the results that you want. And um and then as you said before, it's like, what are you doing in the background? So like, I'm going to show you what to do in that hour and a half, two hours of while I'm with you. Even though I want to see you another three weeks, I'm going to give you a set of homework. I've got a training manual that you can read. And then from there, um, if you're doing that homework and doing that practice and laying a good foundation, we can go the next step and then the next step. And before you know it, we're going to aim towards a goal. So I guess another thing about what dog training is all about is about setting some goals. Know where it is that we're moving towards. If you don't know where you're moving towards, then how do you know um, what you're going to achieve? And you're kind of just chasing our tail um, in regards to dealing with our dog. So understanding that, understanding that um, a little bit about dog behavior. So dog behavior requires us to understand, you know, that 1.6 seconds connection between behavior and its, and its um, consequence. We also want to know how to exercise the dog specifically for that actual dog. So um, if you've got a high-energy dog that likes to play the ball, well, then make a training game around the ball time. Mm. Um, if your dog likes food, instead of feeding the dog from the bowl um, and giving him free dinner, how about we make that um, dinner time a bit of a training opportunity? Strengthen your, your Right, recall. so you can do that even at dinner time. You of can, course. You can feed them the equivalent of their dinner um, using a game rather than just whacking it in, in the bowl. Yeah, that or even yeah. um, um, incorporating enrichment. So enrichment is about um, – so there's a uh, toy called Kong. It's very, very I've seen well them, yeah. Yep. So they're like a little bubble-shaped like thing. Food inside it. You put the food inside. You show the dog that they have to work the Kong to get their food out. Um, I also tell clients to get their um, get a plastic bottle. Put some food inside the plastic bottle, make some holes in the bottle, and that as you got to supervise them the first couple of times because you don't want dogs swallowing plastic and things yeah. like that. People are concerned about the dog breaking their their gums or something or scratching themselves. And I think that's hilarious. Um, they chew bones, and we're worried about a plastic bottle. I think yeah. that's kind of comical. But um, yeah, of course, you know, um, you want to supervise them so they're doing it safely. Um, that way, there they have to destroy the bottle to get their food out. So it takes them then, you know, instead of feeding the dog and they eat it within eight seconds, you put all their food inside a Kong and it takes them like half an hour to eat their food. One thing with the toys, um, I remember when we went and saw, I think it was Kelly, the Kelpie, uh, they said that, she, I think it was, she had the Frisbee. She loved the Frisbee. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and what you were saying is that the toys shouldn't just be lying around. Is that correct? It should be like, that the toys should only come out at a specific time. Question. I think- um so, I remember that was Sheldon. That was another different oh, therapy, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, um, so he loved the Frisbee. Frisbee is the highest value thing. For him. Well, first of all, what's a Frisbee doing? He's laying in the backyard. It's not, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. So, he can't throw it himself. potentially going to just destroy <laughs> yeah, it yeah. and you've got to buy a new one. But if the Frisbee for him is the highest value motivator, well, we don't just let it laying around. What we need to do is we're going to make sure that there's, um, that we're putting it in terms of practice. We're using it as function. Yeah. So, for example, with that dog there, we would go to the park, we would um, practice the commands that he knows what to do. So he had a pretty good recall. We called him to come and he was coming back to us. He was a little bit distracted. Now, we were doing it with food. Um, 
What we didn't do in that session was show him how to do the frisbee. And what happened was the owner said she was going to bring the frisbee and we forgot to bring the frisbee, but he didn't like the ball. And I don't have frisbees on me. I only have a ball and yeah. some food. So, um, so we're going to address that next session. Um, but I did give him some homework to practice is to show him that we'll put the frisbee on a command. So, um, I would, if it was my dog, I would use, um, so what I do with Nookie there, I use the word bang. Uh, means I'm going to throw the ball or throw at the tug toy. So you don't necessarily have to have a separate word for, the frisbee, the bang can just mean I'm going to throw a toy. For like, so for, for a nookie, that's how I do it. Yeah. Um, but then yes, it's for food. The bang is for the item that I'm throwing. Right. So, so it doesn't specifically mean ball. It means throwing. For her, but you yeah. could use bang for frisbee and ball. I would. Yeah. If if you're going, yeah, in um, with, with with nookie per se. Yeah. Um. So um. So yeah. So that, for example, in the way that I do the training is that my um, when I am going to use the word bang specifically, meaning that I'm going to give the ball, which is a release command and a condition marker to let her know that she's done the right thing. So then, for example, with that dog, if he loves a Frisbee, they're just throwing it and throwing it. That's great. And the dog's still getting physical exercise, but we don't get them using that, that mental component yeah. of their, of their um, psyche. Well, then we're not really fulfilling them appropriately. So with him, he struggles with any f- form of focus because he's a very s- timid dog. So, um, and I think what, cause Jazz kept, um, kept up to date with me. And I think she said that she has been working with it. So working it down. So you tell your dog down, take a couple steps away, say bang, throw the frisbee. He grabs a frisbee, he comes back, he drops it for you. And then that way there we make it a game. And we also using the highest value motivator to then be re- reinforcing. So that way there, that's big chunk of their training. The big chunk of their training is that you're giving them something for free and you expect them to do something for nothing. Mm. And then why is the dog going to do anything for yeah. you, right? Unless you then rouse on him and put pressure on him, but then you've got a very flat dog that doesn't know how to do things. So let's try to motivate and bring their energy up. Also, we need to show people, like, again, what does it, what does it mean to train your dog is that you need to have good rituals, good routines. So, for example, um, like when we come home, First thing we come home, the dogs are in the backyard. What what becomes a big problem is the dogs are barking constantly, scratching at the door. They they become very um, hyper aroused and they can fight amongst each other, or they're just very disruptive. And then the no- neighbors get annoyed, so then people let the dogs in straight away. As soon as they come home, they make a big deal about it. One little You've bit now of advice. conditioned it to to just do that, repeat that behavior, right? By letting it in. That's right. Yeah. He does a behavior. We open the door. He learns that that behavior has made him come inside. Yeah. And then there you go. You've reinforced the behavior. And whatever you're reinforcing is going to happen again for the future. So then next time you come through the door, coming back from work, the dog then repeats. So for example, you come home and you put your things down. This I do with all my dogs. And I still do it. We don't have to really focus on it right now because I don't have the problem. But when I first started out and I started becoming more aware of this, it was like, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, was that I'd come home and they'll get really excited. I'd be calm, I'd put my stuff down, I'd do what I've got to do, say hi to mom, et cetera. And then when they're calm, they're quiet, I invite them into my space. I then give them the pat and, and the affection. So know what are, what are your rituals when it comes to working with your dogs or living with your dogs. You know, show them how it is. Like when you come and sit down on your couch, if you're frustrated when your dogs, you got a great day and your great day jumping on the couch, when your visitors are over and then you start acting as if it's a bad thing and you start correcting them. But if I see you when there's no visitor and the dog's jumping on the couch, well, then you're not consistent, right? So pointing something like that out to a client, they see it and they, and they again, common sense isn't common. And I guess it's one of those things that because I see it all day, every day, and I understand it. For me, it's like it's a no-brainer. But with someone who's never seen it before, never understood it, they um, it's not part of their routine, their, their ritual with their dog. So you want to be practicing Practicing the things when you don't need it, so when you need it, you've got it, mm. period. 
We work on all these training commands, so hopefully we can put it into practice. You go to the coffee shop, I tell my dog's down, or even right now, you know, Nookie stays on her bed, Spades is laying right next to you. Yep. I can bring him here, and we can have this conversation, not hear a peep from them, mm. because I've worked on all like these things. Like you said, at the moment, they're complementing the situation, not complicating it. They're not jumping on the camera. They're not bumping the table. They're not, you know, barking or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. And, um, and then, of course, you know, um, if people aren't, being regular and consistent with, with the way that they are interacting with their dogs, well, then they become very surprised or they become embarrassed or they become frustrated, angry or um, resentful or they just ignore the dog when the dogs are doing the wrong things. And when the dogs are consistently doing the wrong things all the time, well, then we have, uh, you know, we haven't str- strengthened your connection with your dog. So um, I think we may have spoken about this in, in um, episode two, but the three reasons why we do dog training, obedience training is that we want to sh- um, teach dogs practical skills. We want to teach our dogs how to have a mental, physical um, connection, mind-body connection, and it's um, bonding time. It's relationship bonding. The more you practice training with your dog, the dog wants to do things for you. Yep. Also, um, talking about each individual dog has a different um, specific need. So, for example, it, um, Nookie's um, has a very high prey drive, prey drive in regards to like chasing the ball. Retrieving it. So, retrieving mm-hmm. the game. So, um, we could play tug, but tug is good for her, but it's not as enriching as chasing the ball. Mm. Um, Spades, on the other hand, doesn't really chase a ball. There's times where he'll probably do it, but it's not highly motivating for him. So I use food and I use my engagement and my play um, to reinforce his behavior. So it makes it part of my thing. But for example, with the dog that I seen a couple of days ago, very, very um, high tug drive. The dog just wants to play this. What kind of dog was it? It was a staffy. Right. So, so strong most, dog, muscly. Yeah. They, they like to tug on things, right? For sure. Yeah. Most, most bull breeds have a very um, strong... Um, um, prey drive. Prey drive. Um, and, and in regards to playing that tug and really having a bite and hard where they, they can retrieve for sure, but not as highly value, um, valuable to them. So for example, within some of our training and some of our reward system comes from playing with the tug. Right. We show them how to play the tug game. It becomes a good out for them. It comes a good, um, fulfillment. And, um, some things that I learned from, um, listening to Jay Jack is a trainer out in the States and, um, he's, he's, um, he always um, talks about giving your dog an out and giving the out in, re- and he specifically works a lot with um, the bull breeds and he's come up with a, a sporting system called the GRC and the SR test. So it's um, called the social responsibility. Dog has to fulfill certain things um, in part of the test. So then you can get certain titles. And then the GRC is about, you know, weight pulling and jumping up and playing with a flip, flip pole and. Doing things that a fulfill what? Pole? a flip pole is like a pole that has like a tug on it, and then right. the dog learns how to buy it. And then you have to like tell them to release it. It gives them a good out, just like a very like for example myself. I need to fulfill my needs physically as well as mentally. So I need to be working out. I need to be going to to, to the dojo or to um, doing those physical activities because it gives my pastime. And I know you're the same as well. Yeah, man. And if we don't have that, then it becomes very hard you for us to You feel it straight away. Yeah. So we need to find what is um, fulfilling for that dog. There's some other dogs that would be more um, inclined to, um, for example, now that I have to think about it, it's kind of um, hard to come out, right? But I guess, um, so for example, that Staffy wanted to play the tug. So then while I'm playing, while I'm doing my training with him, and as we spoke about in last podcast, is that we will use food to specifically teach the dogs how to do commands. Once we taught them how to do the command, then we use the tug as a reward. Mm. So um, so one of my clients, she goes, man, this dog is just intense. I can't come inside. She's chewing the carpet. She's carrying on. So then every um, 
hour and a half. I want you to go outside. And then once now the dog has a good, reliable sit, stay, down, stay and recall in the bed command. So what I want her, what I've been practicing with her is that you tell your dog to down. You're in the backyard. You got your tug and you got it hidden within your pants or you've got it in your hand. The dog has to hold position until, and then for her, she was happy to say the word tug, which means that was the release and the, uh, marker for yep. the dog to come and bite the, the tug. Yep. She plays this big game. She throws it around up and down. <laughs> sometimes the dog wins it. Sometimes we win it. Yeah. We tell the, we teach the dog how to drop. So we say drop. I think she used the word leave it. Again, words don't matter as long as their function and application consistent. are consistent. The dog lets go. She tells the dog to down again. She walks off. She either gives a command she, um, to tug again or she then releases the dog. Now, a few things that she started to see from this was that she started to see that the dog, after like a five-minute play session, was a lot more relaxed um, because it had that big physical release. But also, she was always looking at her and going, what are we going to do? Are we going to do that game again? Where before, it was like, hey, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on. And she may have been accidentally reinforcing all these behaviors. So, that means that we have the behaviors that we don't like of repeating more and more again. So, having that out, but also, the dog had the... um, the bad behavior and the bad habit of grabbing shoes and grabbing the socks and um, different items that we didn't want her to grab. And she had to chase her around the house to get her elf. And by the time that happened, the, cho- the shoes were probably destroyed or very slobbery, etc. So now that we showed the dog how to release an item under high drive and high stim- um, impulse, um, she was able to then now say the word drop, the dog drops it, and then she either can re- um, reward the dog or then she just goes, that's awesome, you've dropped it, and then we're done with that. So, and that, this leads me to the next point is that what does it mean to train your dog? Well, te- a, a symptom or an outcome of training and regular routine is teaching your dog's impulse control. Yep. Teach them how to be calm, relax, and learn how to focus on their um, their human under all sorts of different Stim- stimulus. So yep. if you're in the environment and there's a cat chasing, you can say something? No. Okay. So, um, no, so right. the dog wants to chase a cat. We want to be able to call it a come. Yep. The dog then comes back to us, mm-hmm. boom, and then we either reward it or then we continue on our way. So it all comes back to, and when this has come up, this is a common theme, um, you always want you to be the most interesting or the most valuable thing in the dog's life. Yeah. Not the dog that's walking past, not the car, not the whatever, the birds. Of course. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, wh- and you know, you want to be the captain of the ship. You don't want to just be the anchor. Yeah. You don't want to just be holding the dog back so the dog's doing their own thing. You want to be able to engage and then be, be in harmony with your dog when you're out and engaging with the world around you. So, really important that we come up with these these routines and these um these games and also having good timing of when you should give the command mm. and good management so management is a big big part of of what what it means to train your dog you know management means if you're if your dog loves to run outside and chase a cat across the road well then one thing you should do is make sure that your screen door can automatically shut every time it gets open especially if you've got kids in the house like this is a good management idea mm. is that People don't have a screen door that can properly close and the dog knows how to bang it to open it. And they say, I want to stop my dog from running across the road and chasing the cat. And my first thing, when I look at the screen door and I can notice that, it, that, or if I can see the dog doing it or whatever, is I can see that the door opens straight away as soon as the dog bangs on it. Well, then I'm going to say, well, fix your screen door so the do- door doesn't open. Make sure that it has an automatic hinge yep, door so it, can, yeah, it yeah. retracts close on, on its own. And then from there, we're already 80% there. We know that the dog can't do it when it feels like doing it. Yeah. Number one. Number two is that we teach a recall. So management, have your dog on a long line. Go out in the front of the house and teach that recall coming back into the house. Um, on my stories on, on my Nutris Pooches page, I um, showed 
there was an old mate, um, an old guy with his um, older dog, but the older dog had a very um, was very successful to run down the street and say hi to a friend dog that would live like twenty houses down. So, um, so then he asked me, "How do I get the dog to come back inside?" So what we did was we started working this recall. Um, last week was our third session. So then we had the dog on the long lead. We went outside. He checked his mail. He come back inside. She was still hanging out on the, um, on the grass and Spade was, um, hanging out on the grass as well. So she looked at Spade. He said, um, Dharma, come. She ran back up the stairs, came inside. He rewarded her. Yeah. So he goes, Oh, now should we try it without the lead? I'm like, brother, we've only done this three, <laughs> three repetitions. You can't now take the lead off. I go, first of all, I probably would never take the lead off. That's my answer to him because if I say, yeah, well, let's do it next week, he's going to let the dog off. The dog's going to run down the street and he's lost it. So I say, let's now go over the next six months. You're going to practice this a couple of times a day. Dog's on the long lead. You come out the front. You check your mail. You hang outside. You read your book. You get on the phone. You go back inside. You call it back in. Start showing her that being out the front is a novelty to go run down the street. You show her that she has no success with running down the street. She gets rewarded when she's close to us. Um, and that way there, then we're already in the game. So management is like 80% of, um, of our training. Yeah. You know, if we're not controlling the situation, we control the variables. You know, you said before, you know, you want to, you want to be good at, um, your personal training element of your, of, of your life. Well, then make sure that you're going to sleep right. So you have a good amount of sleep before you go to training. Eat the right food. Yeah. Don't eat macros and go straight, straight to training. Yeah. You know, drink your water and have good relationships and hang out with people that are motivating. Yeah. Because after you do it for three months and you're not hanging out with people that are in on the same routine as you, what's going to motivate you to go back to the, yeah. to the gym? You know, Les Brown says it all the time is if you're the smartest person in the room, um, in the group, you've got to change group. You got to hang out with people that motivate you and lift you up. So it's the same with our dog training is that we've got to make sure that we're a couple of steps ahead and knowing that we are the one that are creating the situation, set our dogs up for success rather than setting them up for failure. Mm. Um, so what have we talked about? We talked about management. We talked about obedience training. We've talked about, um, We've talked about giving your dog a proper out, finding what your dog's motivated by. Yeah, so that just to, um, just in finding that itself, that could take some time, right? Like not every, like you said, not every dog's driven by um, chasing a ball or tugging, or some dogs are more into food than others. Mm-hmm. So when the dog, when you first get the dog, whether that's a puppy or whatever, you're actually trying to figure that out, right? Is there a specific way to do that, or it just takes time? I guess it's trial and error. You just know what the dog's going to be more into. You can also, if you got him from a puppy, you can kind of ink courage shape it a and bit. shape a little bit of that drive towards the ball. You've yep. got to show them how to play the game. But, of course, if they're not into it, they just may not be into it. A Labrador will be more likely to chase the ball and bring it back than what um, than what a Great Dane would do, for example, just thinking off the top of my head. So we do really need to understand each individual dog as an individual rather than looking at it just as a breed and just looking at it as, oh, dogs chase balls and bring it back to me. Like my, You know, so many clients that go, how do I teach a dog to bring the ball back to me? And we throw the ball in the backyard and the dog looks at it going, I have no interest in it. I can certainly teach a dog how to do it through free shaping and shape the dog to understand that, well, I'll give you food every time that you bring the ball back to me. And we can come up with a routine, yeah. but it's not full drive. It's yeah. not dr- the drive not isn't innate. about the ball, it's yeah. about the food. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we can- create it but we're not we're not leveraging off the dog's innate way of um of interacting right so with nookie she has this innate desire to just chase the ball and bring it back mm-hmm. so you use that as a as a, as a capitalize off yeah it, yeah for sure why make it any harder than it has to be? of course so she likes food so for example if i'm out in the park so this is what happens so and of course you know i'm going to um mess things up as well and may not be on the on on, on the path of of preaching what um 
practicing what I preach, which I should be. And there's yep. times where I forget or I get complacent or I assume that she knows something. And she, she was on a long lead. She was up ahead sniffing something and I called her to come. And then she thought sniffing the tree was more important than coming back to me. And I called her three more times. I'm like, <clears throat> frustrating. So what I did was I had to go back to the drawing board. And on, in that case, first of all, I had to look back and go on, how many times have I gone to the park in this particular situation and called her to come to me and how has she seen that being a valuable thing? Because in the home, she'll come back to me straight away. Yeah. Where um, if I'm in the park, so what I did was I set myself up. So, again, I was aware of what was happening and I didn't get mad at her. I didn't, like, yank her on the collar and tell her to come back to me. What I did was I set myself up. Next time I went to the park, so the next day I had some treats on me. I was up in the park. I was not waiting for it to be 10 meters from me to call her back to me, but I was maybe like three meters. And then I called her name. She looked at me. I gave the gesture of come. So I went back a couple of steps, even though I didn't have to. I went back there to re-show her. That's what it means for um, yep. for her to come back. And then I went on so to an go, So you go back one step to take two steps forward kind of thing. You I know? think so. Yep. Well, it's good for her to understand that yep. because it's, if dogs see things as pictures. So this is not the picture that we're practicing this in. So she doesn't understand that's a valuable thing to do. And then there's no, there's no reason to do it. Mm. So then of course she came back. I started rewarding her. I'd reward her intermittently. So not every single time, but the random times. Yep. And we'll talk about that's like a schedule of reinforcement, that gambling yep. side of it. We want her to know that doesn't come every time. Um, and then from there, I started then randomly very, um, as a variable reinforcement. Sometimes I reward her one unit. Sometimes I jackpot her with a, with a handful of food. And I did this over a week. And then over time, there were sometimes I'd call her back. I'd say bang and throw the ball. So then I'd start, sometimes I'd reward her with food. Sometimes I'd patter and sometimes I'd throw that ball. So I use this example, don't we probably use in the podcast before, but it's a good example because first of all, it's personal for me rather than showing you how other people did it. And yeah. also for people to know that I'm the dog trainer. So I had to go back a couple of steps because I knew that I was neg- neglecting a part of the training and the recall is a very important command. Yeah. So now it's, now it's been a year and a bit since that was the case. And now her recall is 100%. Um, I call her to come and she comes running back to me every single time. No matter how far, as long as she can hear you, she'll come. As long as she can hear me, right? Now, obviously, there's safety to it and I've got to make sure that I'm in the right situation and I still have her on a long lead, but sometimes I'm not always holding that long lead. But I do know that it's a lot more reliable now because I identified it. So that's why when it comes to training and the good thing about how I do dog training is that I want to teach people the why, the what, the how, and the when. If I can teach them what all this is about, they can always go back a couple of steps, like what I had to do with Nookie, to fix it. Where if I had her, if I had somebody's dog, I train them, give it back to them, then they don't know all of those elements. They just go, this is the command, you do it. But what if the dog then doesn't do it because people haven't been consistent or something else has come out and then the dog finds themselves in a more of a difficult situation? How do people know how to fix it, manage it, etc.? So... That's what it means to train your dog. It's about understanding your dog, understanding where they're at, how they're thinking. And also you got to check your own self too. You got to know where you're at. What sort of routines are you giving your dog? Yeah. Um, so, um, and then also another thing I was going to say was we talked about impulse control. Impulse control is really important. I think imp- impulse control is everything about training. It's about showing them how to be calm in the moment, how to be calm and focus on us and not be too triggered by the temptation and the desire to fulfill the instinct. We've talked about this before, like dogs will try and cut the chain a bit. You know, they can be, they are probably more impulsive than, say, a human because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't have that conscious thought, right? Mm-hmm. So they're always looking for that shortcut yep. and you're trying to just cut that down a bit. So what I say to my clients is that we want to find the pattern Find the pattern, identify the pattern that you don't like, 
demolish the patterns that you don't like, create new patterns that you do like. Mm. And that way there then we can um, start showing our dogs that there's more reliability in the things that we want them to do, number one. Number two is that if we don't practice these things when we don't need them, then we won't have them when we do actually need them. And dogs are only going to try to better their own situation. They're, they're selfish in that regard. Even though they show us compassion and loyalty and that we love them and there is a, there is a conditional love or maybe some would say that there's an unconditional love attached to it, but that still serves them and that's why they still continue that behavior. Yeah. So dogs will innately only do things that are going to better their own situation once we understand this and take it on as, as, um, as a serious way of, not serious, like have more sincerity of, of understanding it. We can then start to manipulate and change the way that, that they interact with the world. So once we start to really gauge what it is that our dogs want, we can start to shape and manage and control it, start giving them this this job, start implementing it within your own life because the way that I work with dogs and with my own personal dogs compared to how other people work with their dogs, they're all going to be different. We're all individuals ourselves. But um, if we can start to cross-culture some of the elements, and that's why a really good client of mine would see what we're doing and I'll see in the next session going, okay, so we haven't really worked on this, but I've done this. What do you think? And they show me, and I'm like, that's everything that I want you to do. The point of it is that you start to get creative with yeah. the with the ideas, and like what you said before. So I was listening to your podcast um, on our human condition. You were talking with Sarge, yep. and you said that you know you went your boot camp, you went there for a, for a, a year, for example, yep. and you were training, and then happened to be that he wasn't doing his thing anymore, and he was doing something else. But then you cross called. You didn't just stop because Sarge was there to train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, went- that built the foundation for me to then go on and either find other programs to do or to to learn more about how to build a program and so yeah it's like laying laying a brick wall you know you the first layer is the foundation and then you're building on top of that 100 percent. yeah you know and um you know like now that i've, I've got a, a baby boy he's um almost 12 weeks old almost 13 weeks old and i was speaking to a friend went for a walk the other day and actually it was the first time that um that leonardo came on a on a walk at night with one of the boys, no mum around, which was really fun. Um, and we we're talking about these things and he was speaking to his friend that had just, um, gotten divorced, et cetera, et cetera. And things aren't looking awesome for his friend at the moment. He's feeling down and he goes, look, brother, he goes, you need to, when, when you're in a relationship that you're building that foundation, you get those walls up, you put the roof on. There's times where, um, you're, you're solidifying yourself or your training schedule or your routine or whatever it is that you are. You're establishing that. So when that wind comes and the rain comes, make sure you're, you've, you've grown, a, like you've developed this castle on a solid rock foundation. You haven't built a, 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 a canvas tent yeah, on, on, on the sand yeah. when the tide comes in, you're screwed. So using this analogy of everything that we do, and let's relate it back to dogs, we were always making that full circle here, is that um, if you can start learning how it is that you're fulfilling your dog's needs and you can start implementing with yourself. Now we're going even deeper in the training. How are you becoming a better person because of your dogs? How are you getting out and exercising? Like, for example, I was with a client come to my house the other day and we went for a walk. I think I was, I think I waved and said hello to like 12 people in the hour and a half that we were in the session. And the guy looks at me and goes, who are you, man? Like you're like a celebrity of, of the, of the area. And I'm like, and I said to him, brother, it's because I'm out different times of the day. I'm with my dogs and because I have my dogs, I need to walk them every day. So I'm giving them structure, I'm giving them routine, but also I may be more um, approachable. Maybe I'm not more approachable because of my dogs, but because my dogs are friendly, people want to say hi to them. They remember me, I give them the wave, I give the smile. It brings a sense of community. 
my neighbor now, it's, it's ridiculous. Every single week, he gives me like five bags of, of, um, of bread from his friend's, um, factory. So like, and he's <laughs> you bringing, get fat, bro. <laughs> he's bringing all this bread to me, right? So the, the gesture is there is that because of my dogs, okay, it's because of my personality too. And it's just the person that I am. I like to be social. However, I, I know this because of my dogs. Like there's an innate part of, yeah. of, of my, of course, my foundation of growing up and it's how I am, but also I wouldn't be out in the streets walking everywhere. Correct. If I wasn't with my dogs, you know what I mean? So I think it's really important if we can start to see that's what dog training is about. We should change the word dog training. It shouldn't be dog training. Once we say that it's this, then we're so f- focused on it be about training the dog. And of course, now it's become cliche. Yeah, you're training people to train the dogs. And it's become cliche because now we're starting to realize, yes, it's people training for dogs. It's exactly what it's all about. But it's even f- deeper than that. It's, it's not training about making repetition. It's about understanding. It's about knowledge. It's about we're, we're not just looking at, you know, the mental side of things. We're looking at how are you feeding your dog? Are you feeding him a good, healthy nutrition? Like these guys are eating like 80, 90% raw f- food. Yeah. Since I started doing that, Spades' allergies have like almost disappeared. He had hot spots on him frequently because of dermatitis and allergies to, um, yeah. to spring. I mean, that's probably a whole podcast topic in itself, man. Like For sure. the stuff that goes into dog food. It's like how many dogs out in the wild are eating like soy and rice and grains? You know, that's because that's what they put in dog For, food because it's cheap. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and people buying like, you know, the $14, 25 kilo bag of pedigree. It's like, well, it's $14 for 25 kilos for a reason mm. because it's full of- 50 cents a kilo. You know? What are you, what's in it? Again, Nothing. pedigree don't come after me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but um, as the example is that- oh, They're not the only ones. So, it's it's an example of exactly. what's, common. what's there's, common. There's actually, um, is it true there's no regulations around pet food? So, they can pretty much put whatever they want in it, right? I'm actually not sure. I, I, I'm pretty sure I read that. Don't yeah. quote me, but I, I as in- once I heard that, it was like, well, that makes sense why they put this yeah. trash in it because it's, it's, it's not actually regulated. Yeah. So, once we start, like, and think about it, well, you are what you eat. And if you're not eating a good, healthy diet, like, for example, if his allergies have disappeared, means that he's less irritated. And if he's less irritated the last five years, I haven't even given, the last three years, I haven't given him flea treatment. He hasn't had a flea treatment on his body because he hasn't had any fleas. All right. And I'm using natural products and I'm using this, like, diatomous earth to help with um, any worm issues. So, he does get that regularly. So, we make sure there's no parasites growing inside him. But, you know, he's almost nine years old now. He's still coming to work with me eight yep. hours a day. It is time that I should get a new puppy soon so I can start semi-retiring spades because I can't overwork him. And Nookie comes to work too, but because of his size, it's yeah, a little bit yeah, of yeah. a hazard to have yeah. her around more powerful breeds. However, because I'm feeding him right and I'm exercising him right and I'm keeping him stimulated and I'm giving him a good place to be and our connection strong and he looks at me with this, Let's do things. What are we doing? Mm. You know, and um, because of that, I've got a good holistic way of, of seeing training, a good balanced way of understanding it, being clear, being concise and understanding where what he's thinking before he acts on it. That's what I want to be teaching my clients. And everyone that's listening, you know, whether you're a dog trainer, whether you um just got an, a new dog or you've had dogs your whole life, but you never thought about this stuff, start implementing this. Um, it doesn't take much time out of your day. I bet you you're watching more than an hour of TV a day. Um, and if you're not, well, then good on you. That's awesome. But um, but some of the time that we kind of waste lazing about, you can get energy back in your day by interacting with your dog. Walk them, train them, understand them. Do a bit of reading. You know, get out there and ask different opinions and, yeah. um, you know, attend workshops and, hey, ask us a question, you know. If you're listening to the podcast, that's a great first step anyway. You know, you're actually – you're doing probably more than 90% of dog owners are already in that and taking the time to educate yourself a little bit more as well. So, yeah. why stop there? You know, maybe read a book or uh, go, you know – 
Exactly. Get a, you know, um, employer trainer or That's go right. to a seminar. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's a it's a good first step. Hundred percent. You know, and it's um, our, our dogs are, are here. They're 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 giving us so much feedback, mm. and most of the time we're just not educated to see it. So it's just because you're ignorant. It doesn't mean that an ignorant, not like your purpose of being ignorant, is that you're just ignorant. You haven't you seen it. You've you've um let it go by, and your dog's giving you early warning signs in um in so many different ways. So let's not wait for behavioral issues to manifest and then try to employ somebody. Let's be proactive. So I guess that's the the message for for the podcast today and. Um, was there anything you wanted to add? No, that was good, man. That was, that was a good one. I think that's one I'm going to listen back to myself as well. That's what I love doing about this. I love about doing this podcast, I should say, is that um, it's as much for me as it is for the listeners. Like, I'm really learning a lot out of it. So, 100%. yeah, it's good. That's uh, five episodes in the can now. So, um, like we said before, if you're enjoying it, please do leave a rating, leave a review, uh, leave us a comment on Instagram. Um, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, our Facebook um, group um, um, page is starting to, to develop as well. Actually, we've been getting quite a bit of followers lately as well, which is good. Um, you know, it's it's only the er, um, early days. It's all the, the grassroots of all of this, but it's- um, Yeah, shout out to our listeners in, uh, where we have? We had Chile, we had the United States. So you, it was Australia. We had like, you know- um, over, The like majority. Two, yeah, yeah, the majority. Then we had US, Canada, UK, Germany. We've had um, South New Africa. New Zealand as well. Yeah, yeah we've had um, Chile, Spain- um yeah. yeah shout out to all our international Thank you. listeners <laughs> yeah it's awesome so um yeah i really appreciate it. everyone that's listening and watching us um you know sharing the love and you know share it with your friend and you know um get it out there and it's um it's a real blessing to to be there for you guys so yeah and, and we were talking about this before off mic as well as you're going to be doing some shorter um like q a type podcasts yes. as well so probably like most frequently asked questions that come from your clients or we you know might even put up put it out to people what they want to actually ask on your um, yeah, instagram as well they can so, hit us up yep yeah so anyone that's listening as well they've got a question for us um whether it's going to be one of our shorter segments or may need a whole um longer episode for it but um you know don't hesitate um find us on our social platforms or even on our website life with your dog podcast.com yep. um and then there's a little um spot there where you can leave us an email so yep that's and I uh, will answer it on the podcast. Perfect. Yeah. Give us the feedback. And thanks to Spades and Nookie for, yeah. for joining us again. Here's uh, two examples of um, two very well-trained dogs. They haven't moved the whole time. That's it. All right. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate, and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips and techniques, visit nooches Thank you and stay tuned for next time.